Hello, good morning, good evening, good night, whatever time you're going to listen to this podcast to welcome back to the Neighborhood Conversations where we chat about realistic strategies um, by inviting inclusive individuals, inclusive leaders, I would say, um, onto the podcast to talk about variety of different topics. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the deaf and hard-hearing community, but also learning more different um, ways of advocacy um, and topics that you may not know, um, and just sharing different information um, to go into the community. In the neighborhood conversations, we love to go into communities and in the neighborhood um, just to have a conversation. So we're happy to be in your neighborhood today, whether you're driving on a in your car, whether you're on um, transit trying to get somewhere, um, we're just happy um, just to be in your presence for the next few minutes. Um, my name is Temple Desoy. I am your host, and it's a pleasure to have um, two amazing guests um, today. Um, we have the amazing um, Mary Josie um, Crawford. Um, also known as MJ. Um, she's an amazing case manager um, here supporting our deaf clients. And uh, MJ, thank you so much for joining. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you, Templeton. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Awesome. MJ, it's, it's really good um, to have you here. And I look up to you for different resources as you continue to um, advocate for the deaf community, but also continue to educate us um, at Team Cooperative on different ways. And so we, we appreciate you um, and your awareness and all the great things that you offer to us at Teamwork. Um, we have the amazing um, Frank O'Sullivan. I think I'm, 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 I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Um, thank you so much Frank. Frank is the executive director of the Deaf and Hard Hearing um, organization here in Nova Scotia, and we're so delighted um, to have Frank here with us. Frank, welcome. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be involved. I'm not often called amazing, so it's nice to have that as an option. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, it's always good to have an amazing people. I, I see everyone as amazing people, and, and I, I think that's just a bit of my personality as well. Um, so, yes. Well, thank you so much, both MJ and Frank, for coming on to the conversation. Um, we have some important things to talk about today, and that's something that more so is in advocacy with the deaf and hard-hearing community, um, but also learning about how to communicate with the community, but also understanding um, your point of view from a personal perspective. But, but first, um, I would love to ask both of you um, the most interview question that we always ask in an interview. Um, tell us about yourself and the work you are doing um, in a few sentences, um, tell us about yourself. Yeah. MJ, you can go ahead first, and then I'll allow Frank to go. Okay. Well, Templeton, as you said, I work here at Teamwork, and I hail from New Brunswick originally, and I moved to Halifax about 30 years ago to go to St. Mary's University. After graduating, I decided to stay in Halifax, and I've worked in a variety of positions. I worked as a residential counselor, a job coach, a teaching assistant, and currently I am a case manager here at Teamwork, and that's been for the past 12 years. I grew up going to a mainstream school for um, my time in public school with OAT 
an interpreter. So I didn't get an interpreter until university. And currently I live in Dartmouth with my husband, two teenage, well, one almost adult children and my cat. And that's it it for me. Awesome. Thank you so much, MJ, for sharing that. And um, it's always good to see um, different ways of how people start up their career life and and talking about the educational system and and starting from there and then um, going into employment in different areas. And so that's really fascinating for sure. Um, Coming from the family of educators um, and then coming into employment myself. um, So it's it's really good to hear that. Thank you so much, MJ. Um, Frank, um, tell us about yourself and the work you are doing. Yes. I work for the Society of Deaf and Hard of Hearing Nova Scotians as the executive director. It's been since the year 2000, so it's about 22 years now. And I grew up in a very small town in Western Ireland. And it was a town of about 900 people. I went to a boarding school for the deaf, for deaf boys there in Ireland. And that was specifically in Dublin. And then after high school, I studied commercial horticulture. So I did that following high school. I took a course. And then shortly after graduating, I I graduated college and then moved to Canada. Awesome. Wow. I learned very quick, quickly that Ireland Sign Language and Canadian Sign Language was very different. So I had to learn Canadian Sign Language w- upon arrival. And then I've worked in the horticultural industry for a while and realized that I was interested in social services. I was very interested in working with deaf and hard of hearing individuals. So I went to the University of Toronto at that point. And uh, following graduation, I worked as a career development specialist, uh, counselor, um, teacher, a coordinator of seniors programs, a number of jobs, a community support worker, and now I'm an executive director. I live in Halifax with my wife, Nancy, who is originally from Halifax, and I have three sons and two dogs. A golden retriever and a Bernese mountain dog. Oh, that's so that's so cool. That's so awesome. And that's my life. Ooh, that is really awesome. MJ with the cat, you with the two dogs. That 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 that's um really good with 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 the animal kingdom. I call it. <laughs> it's really good, really good, really good for sure. Um, it's really good to know that both of you have a extensive knowledge of information that you bring to the table and by your educational background and, and experiences. Um, we're having this conversation on advocacy today um, to learn more about the deaf and hard hearing community. Um, so my first opening question, and I'm going to allow um, you, Frank, to, to start us off with this question, um, and then MJ will respond. What is the difference between a person who is deaf or hard of hearing? That, that, I think that that's a, a good question to start off. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is a lot of overlap. It depends on the concept of being culturally deaf. So there would be this concept of capital D deaf versus lowercase d deaf. And for deaf people who are capital D deaf, it's individuals that are in the community using sign language with other deaf individuals. 
So they have their own community, their own distinct cultural and linguistic community. They're socializing with other deaf people. There are sports clubs. There are a variety of clubs that are specific to the deaf community. There would even be uh, religious or spiritual services for deaf individuals. So it's a distinct group that's using sign language. Wow. And often because of that experience, these group, this group of people are, have come together signing together. So they remain friends for long periods of time. And in Halifax, there is a very large capital D deaf community because of the Halifax School for the Deaf that was on Gottingen Street. So people would have started school and then continued to remain friends with these individuals for years and years after the fact because of the, that experience in school. Also locally, there's maritime sign language and uh, American sign language. So maritime sign language was influenced by British sign language. And for hard of hearing individuals, there are individuals that may use sign language, but may not. They may depend on the res residual hearing for communication. They may use uh, hearing aids. They could speech read. So it depends. There, is a, there are differences between those two groups, but they overlap as well. Well, that's really good, and that's really good to hear for sure, um, especially when you're connecting from a community approach, and in the community, like you say, they stay together, um, they, they're friends after um, um, joining a program or uh, uh, being in, in education together. That's really unique, and that's what community is all about, um, um, being with each other, um, learning with each other, connecting with each other, supporting each other. That's, that's really important as well, um, and, and saying that, hey, I got your back basically is what they're saying, and I, and I will advocate for you, which is really good. That's, that's really awesome. Um, MJ, what, what, what do you have to say on this question? Um, do you have any add-ons to say? Yeah. Sure. I would add that for hard of hearing individuals, sometimes there are those that, um, I mean, with hearing and deaf individuals, there are two separate distinct groups. And sometimes for hard of hearing individuals, they may be able to talk on the phone, for example, but they also may be able to sign. Mm -hmm. So they often end up between those two groups, whether deaf or hearing. Some hard of hearing individuals don't have any sign language. So they're learning how to speech read and use the residual hearing that they do have. So there are different groups even within the hard of hearing category. So it is dependent on the individual. Yeah. My husband is hard of hearing and he can mix with the deaf community and the hearing community, right? So he, he has that ability to be a part of both because of his experience of being able to hear some and sign. 
Oh wow, that's really amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that. That that's something that I didn't know. And I think that that will educate me on that for sure. Um, as I move um more into advocacy, um, what does advocacy look like for the deaf and hard hearing community? Do do you feel that there's um advocacy being done in the community? Do you feel supported um in the community? Um I think that that all brings into some of the questions of, of where I'm trying to, to move this forward. I'll allow MJ to go for first and then, um, Frank, I would like to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. Sure. In terms of advocacy, I think it's, whether it's an individual or group, it's dependent on the topic and what people are advocating for. It's really important for individuals to know their rights and make sure that they have the equal access that's available to them. Advocacy is important for policies and structural change because it is important that that advocacy is effective. Otherwise, people will have, have to continue fighting. Some individuals may have a hard time with the advocacy role, whereas a group may be more effective. The video relay service is an example for us of something that the deaf community advocated for. And video relay service is where people can use the phone via video and call people, hearing people, and there be interpreters on the line. It's a relay operator of sorts. So that call center experience, and that allows for more effective communication. And that wouldn't have happened without the group coming together and advocating for that. Um, Frank? Frank, would you like to add more there? Uh, MJ, you took care of most of what I, I would add in, but it's really important that we consider change and the effectiveness of change, right? For the deaf community, um, people are often isolated and we, it's, we have to be dependent on ourselves right. to advocate for our needs. There are language barriers there, and we have to find ways of breaking down those barriers. So it is important to build that connection. So there's not only the local advocacy and accessibility, but we also want to look at individuals across Canada, right, at a national level and ensure that the advocacy is there for everyone involved. And MJ saying, if I could just add one more additional. Hey, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. For deaf individuals, sometimes there is that challenge with the language barriers as well. I think that's an important piece that we need to consider. Misunderstandings can easily occur because either written English or verbally spoken English can be misunderstood. And then it takes time to resolve those issues because of the miscommunications. With more awareness, and an ability to change the system and provide more accessibility and equal access, access in the community, you will continue to see effective communication and accessibility. We're going to take a quick break to listen to some Nova Scotia Works client stories. I look forward to my family's security in the future. That's the main goal as a father. The empowerment from changing careers has really just made me want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm looking forward to growing my business. So I want to hire people 
Like I was hired, I want to give guys that chance. Il me fera plaisir de continuer à travailler avec les immigrants francophones à Nouvelle-Écosse. I am looking forward to the financial freedom that I never had before. And now back to the podcast. Wow. That, that's that's really important for sure to share. And I thank both of you for sharing that. Um, and I totally agree. Um, there's more that we can do and change um, is is key um, of, of accepting, but also working with um, um, different um, groups such as the deaf and hard hearing community and understanding. If you're not willing um, to, to be open-minded, I think that that's also what advocacy requires you to be open um, and, and wanting to learn and be willing to learn as well um, as you go about learning about different areas of groups and stuff like that. So that's, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, my next question goes on, and this, this uh, is another way of advocacy as well, but what is the best way to communicate with a person who is deaf if I don't know the sign or language? Like, what's the best way? And of course, I know, MJ, you have taught us a, a, a bit of, of different sign languages, and I know that, that that's really good. Um, but what, is, what, what if um, someone else doesn't know um, how to do sign language? Like, how do you communicate? I will let um, Frank answer the question and I'll go to MJ. Well, I think right now it's a good example. You're communicating with us. You don't know sign language, but we're, we have effective communication by using an interpreter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Interpreter is really good. So there's not an answer for everything. Everyone's going to be a little bit different and approach communication differently. But if there are meetings or workshops, that sort of thing, an interview, um, having an interpreter is an effective way of communicating. Right. There's also note-taking and um, captioning. So for hard-of-hearing individuals, they would want captioning and be able to read that captioning. If it you're informally meeting someone and there aren't those options, then speech reading is an option. Speaking slowly. Mm-hmm. Repeating if someone doesn't understand the first time. And being willing to rephrase something if the first time it's not understood, right? To give that second chance at understanding. And then if there is that, if there is a possibility of using a visual cue, for example, um, that would be something to consider. So at Sobeys recently, uh, someone asked me, the cashier was asking me if I had my air miles card and I wasn't understanding, and they showed me a picture of the Air Miles card, visual cue, and then I was able to take it from there. So just being able to uh, look for different options, be flexible with the communication. Note-taking, right? Paper and pen is an option, (laughs) but getting louder does not help. No, no, definitely not. That's just kind of disrespectful, yeah. And if I could, Frank Singh, just I'd like to add one more thing. There's a lot of uh, great technology. Personally, uh, I found my quality of life has improved with voice to text options. So I use my phone, use an app, and it will take someone's voice and put it into text. Some are free, some are very cost effective. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's an option as well. And that improves 
communication. And I would say, you know, it's really improved in the last couple of years too. But when we first started using these applications, it would have been, you know, 30% of the information was understood. But now it's about 90% is shared via that voice to text. Now it's wow. not as good as a human being. It's amazing. <laughs> right? Human beings are able to uh, block out the background noise, that sort of thing voice-to-text applications are not, so that causes extra confusion there, but it's an option. Wow, that's amazing. That's that's really good. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And yes, totally. Uh, we're doing it right now with an interpreter, and we at Timo Cooperative, we always have interpreters here um, um, throughout our sessions in order for them to be accommodating, and, and accommodation is, is key as well. And we thank the interpreter also for being here um, to work through us in this process as well for this interview. So MJ, I'll, I'll see if you have anything to add on um, in regards to this um, part, yeah? Sure, I would love to. Lip reading is an option there, but it can sometimes <laughs> cause some uh, missed information because of certain letters uh, sounding the same or looking the same. So M and P are two examples of those. If you're trying to read that on someone's lips, it's difficult to understand. So that can cause additional communication difficulties. So it's important to be able to get that clarification when needed. But lip reading is certainly not providing a lot of information. The tendency is about 40 to 50% of what's being said is understood statistically. Um, so that's uh, uh, an option for communication, but there are other ways as well. Also, during COVID, <laughs> masks have made it difficult Right. right. Masks have certainly been a barrier for us yeah. and, or the plexiglass screens as well. There's been a lot of additional challenges there because you're not able to hear the person or see the person in the same way. So those changes then affect our ability to communicate. And like Frank said, you know, it, the voice to text applications do help or writing back and forth paper and pen method does help. And then, of course, it's great to have an interpreter when we can. That's awesome. Thank you so much, MJ, for, for explaining that for sure. Um, that uh, Now I've, I'm learning different ways of how I can communicate with a deaf individual. You, talk about, you talked about reading lips, MJ, um, just now. Um, can all deaf people read lips is, is my question. No, <laughs> no, it depends on everybody's individual experience, right? So some people are only using sign language where other deaf people have learned how to lip read or learned how to talk. So it is very individualized. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Do you have anything to add on, Frank, with, the, with that question? I'm a terrible lip reader. <laughs> I misunderstand things all of the time. So often my response doesn't match the question asked. It adds some awkward aspects to life, but that is what it is. Yeah. So it's really important to also, I guess, state that it's exhausting as well, right? To watch someone's lips and try to understand, that is very tiring. And it does require work to understand someone. Yeah. MJ's just adding, especially during COVID, 
when all of a sudden now we're on uh, different online applications like Zoom and you're trying to watch someone in small boxes, right? So there are the technologies available that offer captioning and offer additional methods of communication. So that's been nice. It's helped reduce that barrier, which is a, a nice addition. So there are pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and yeah, I can, I can, I can feel you in that, Frank, for sure. Um, it, it may feel difficult um, to hear, um, or not hear, but I try to read the lips of another individual um, because sometimes it may be hard, especially. And that's why I try when I talk to MJ, I try to directly look at her um, and try to uh, make sure I'm speaking clearly um, and try my best. And I hope, I think it's been working. Um, I, I, I know that we've had clear communication with each other, and so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are right. It's been great so far. Awesome. You know, and sometimes with a new person, it's just taking the time, right? Yeah. And over time, you get used to that person, and then it's fine. It's easy to communicate. Definitely, definitely. Um, useful. We both of you spoke about um, having interpreters. What is it like to have your words translated by an interpreter? Do you feel confident? Do you feel um, that it's really um, in, um, interpreted well, um, independently as well? Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. I will start with um, Frank on that question and then go to MJ. Interpreters are going through uh, college level courses and then they're doing on the job training and professional development. So all of that improves their skill and ability. Mm -hmm. So I do have a high level of trust in the interpreter as they interpret for me. Mm -hmm. I am responsible as well if I'm doing a presentation or providing a workshop that I provide background information and preparatory materials for the interpreter so they know what's happening and they have context. But I do feel confident that what I sign and then what is said is um, said properly, and often I can tell by the answer I receive in return. That's awesome. That's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that, Frank. MJ, what about yourself? I feel the same as Frank. Also, I would say, again, growing up, I didn't have an interpreter. So my first year university was my first time using an interpreter, and uh, it was it took some learning. And I've since gotten used to it, of course. Sometimes, um, you know, I can talk, but someone doesn't always understand what I say when I talk, or there can be misunderstandings. Right. So having an interpreter there provides clarity in the conversation and ensures that what I have to say is understood. It also gives me an opportunity to share my thoughts and ideas, and I feel more included. Yeah. At a staff meeting, for example, if I want to share my thoughts and ideas, doing that without an interpreter would be much more difficult. Yeah. Um, and how would I get the information from everyone in the room if I didn't have an interpreter? So that, that is an important part of the experience, right, to ensure that that communication is effective yeah. because it lets me know what's happening right. and you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And also for events, going to an event and knowing that the interpreter is there, I'm able to participate in a different way. 
if I'm going to a show, for example, and a theater experience, that sort of thing. Having an interpreter is great because I can be included or having an interpreter with me makes a difference. Wow, that, that you're so true. And, and I, I, interpreters, they're like another superheroes. They, they bring their own um, unique education um, of way of learning. And I appreciate them as well for um, having the, this type of service, also having this type of education. That's um, way of life for sure um, for all deaf and hard persons. And it's really, really awesome. Just really awesome. Um, my last question is all about music. I'm always curious. I love music. I love to listen to music, every sort of music from reggae to pop to Caribbean to soca, every types of music. Um, so my, my last question is how do the deaf um, um, community listen to music? Like, is there like sign language um, um, for music or is it just like the subtitles when, when playing the music? Like, um, how do they feel the beat of the music? Yeah. I will go to MJ first and then go to Frank. Well, it's a really interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, deaf and hard of hearing people have their own personal preference in terms of listening to music. I think there are people that do listen to music and are interested in that, and then others that have no interest in listening to music. Mm -hmm. For profoundly deaf individuals, they're not able to hear the music. Right. So that would be a different experience, but they may feel the beat, mm -hmm. right? The rhythm. Yeah. So if they're close to the speakers or the volume is turned up, they're able to feel that, mm -hmm. feel those vibrations. Nice. Other people will watch the lyrics, watch the captions to read the music. There are experiences where interpreters interpret the music or deaf people will sign the music. That's really so there are various options. For me, uh, I would say that I like the beat of drums oh. because I can feel the beat, Yeah. right? I feel that vibration. It's nice to when I can see music in sign language as well because it provides a visual representation of the music. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, that's really good, unique ways to share. Um, thank you so much, MJ, for sharing that for sure. Um, Frank. Um, take us off with this last question. How do you, what do you think? I really do agree with uh, MJ because they're, everybody's going to have a different answer, right? Hard yeah. of hearing people are going to have a different answer than a deaf person. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people can hear it. Some people can't. Um, age, experience, family life. Did the family listen to music growing up? All of that affects whether or not a person's really enjoying music. I think there are some deaf people that sign music and that is enjoyable. Um, now with technology for hard of hearing individuals, they would have Bluetooth. And I think that may improve the quality, the audio quality and the sound in hearing that music. So that may provide a different way of connecting with the music through hard of hearing or uh, hearing aids and Bluetooth. So some people may enjoy, when they can't actually hear it, they may enjoy the rhythm or the beat. But again, it's a very individual experience. Yeah, totally agree. Um, looking at different um, unique ways and like you say, different experience 
um, different um, um, heartbeat, <laughs> um, if I would call it, um, for someone to um, connect um, with the music that they love. Um, Wow, this has been really amazing. I really appreciate both you, Frank and MJ, for coming on to today's podcast. Um, we've learned so much today. Um, it brought so much education and awareness um, that we could talk about how to advocate. Now we can talk about how to, um, different ways of sign language and how to communicate, um, talking about the interpreters and how they are ways of accommodation and then bringing it to a close with some smooth music of ways of passion because of, of how to connect um in, in those different ways and so i really do appreciate both of you for coming on to today's neighborhood conversation we have been in your neighborhood and we hope that you um express and you share these thoughts in your neighborhood um with other people and we here at teamwork cooperative we um are here to welcome you if you would like to learn more about these resources that we offer um, and we appreciate you listening on today's podcast and we'll see you at the next one have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much, Templeton. This podcast is funded by the government of Nova Scotia.